0: You're listening to The Real Witches of the End Times, transmissions straight from the Underworld. Doom Witches, Blood Wizards, Underworld Accountants, and Cloud People. Welcome back to the Real Witches of the End Times. I'm your host, Mana Ailen, aka Moth Mana. This week, I I know I say again, I'm very excited. That's normal because this is my podcast. It'd be weird if I wasn't, I think, but I'm actually here with Echo again. They were here a couple of months ago and we talked a lot about esoteric herbalism and then something weird happened in the middle of the episode and we like both fell through some vortex or something (laughs) it's actually a really fun conversation so I'll link that below if you haven't listened to it yet when I first met Echo they recommended this book to me called The Exorcist Handbook and I don't remember if you specifically said it or mentioned it during the episode or if it was after but it was within one of our before after conversations at least And I bought it immediately and then started reading it. And it is now one of my favorite practical manual for dealing with the stuff that people don't really know how to deal with or when they do say that they do, they don't really know. It's very thorough and funny. (laughs) (laughs) What, What really hooked me about it from the beginning was Josephine McCarthy who wrote it and one thing that she says is that we have to really set aside our preconceived notions of what we think is good and bad in this world and start looking at things in a relation to context because what you banish one day might be your coworker the next was like <laughs> the gist of it this is like how i feel about in general about things and it's funny because like in, in a day and age of Instagram infographics there's not a lot of room for nuance like that and then to have that be in a book about dealing with interdimensional beings and like all of these things was so like it really lit me up when I read it.
1: That's a perfect way to describe it. I'm always very suspicious about exactly the instagram infographics because there is no nuance and there is no there's no like person behind a lot of those so i don't ever get the sense that someone's not selling me something i'm always really discerning about the information i decide to take in and can i just tell you i'm so excited that you're pumped for this book because it is the highest compliment i could ever receive to have someone read and then want to talk about a book that i recommend to them and if all of the books that uh, this has to happen with, this one is absolutely my favorite. Um, Josephine McCarthy is an incredibly prolific author. If uh, anybody who's listening is unfamiliar with her work, she is phenomenal. I don't know if you listened to the podcast that I sent you, where she mentions this on Glitch Bottle. Is it is it inappropriate and rude to mention another podcast on a podcast? Is that
0: no? It's totally fine to mention other people's podcasts. Podcast anarchy. I am I'm for it. <laughs> I'm for lateral networking. I'm for many of things that I wish that I could explain more about without. Having a red laser come through my window. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Right.
1: What I like about you so much is you have such intense Aquarian energy, just jam-packed into your ninth house. Sorry to put you on blast if you don't want people to <laughs> no, know. If <it's> <laughs> <laughs> people don't want to see your astro nudes. But it's really hard to talk about specifically like Josephine McCarthy and things that go on in the Glitch Bottle podcast. Those are really like cerebral interviews and like very hot, not sounds weird to say high level, but like really well researched, very hardworking people that have been doing this kind of stuff for a really long time. So they're super knowledgeable and they go, they're just passionate about what they do. And they have a, an academic almost approach to a lot of what they practice. So it gives it some interesting credibility that I think is lacking in a lot of the information that, maybe people who are new to occultism and witchcraft and even the metaphysical realms don't really have access to because you're right it's it's instagram it's pinterest it's like you know people get so caught up in in whether or not you should burn white sage that they don't really understand the purpose of doing so in the first place spoiler alert don't by the way just (laughs) psa uh, yeah unless it's your yeah if, if it's part of your culture, you're not listening to some white chick you've never heard of to tell you what to do anyway. So, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, but these are, these are really beautiful resources and text, but, uh, full disclosure before we just dive into any of the actual material, uh, again, I'm not sure if you listened to that episode, but the ironic thing that this was the first book that I ever picked up on occultism, uh, she says in that, episode she was like if this is the first book that you read about the occult and witchcraft put it down this isn't for you <laughs> <laughs> she says part way in i was reading it she was like i'm assuming those
0: of you reading this book are magical adepts and or priests or priestesses.' and i was like all right <laughs> nope. i'm not that i am i've been, i'm i'm more experienced than a novice but I'm definitely not that so there is definitely a level of responsibility and consciousness mm-hmm. that you need to have I would say even to read this book and I'm not saying that at all in a gatekeeper way you can evaluate that for yourself right this is something that you can come back to I had experiences while reading this book that I would say I would not have been prepared for had I read this even two months before I purchased it and that being said as well, I, when I first got it, I read the first 50 pages. The first 50 pages were really resonant and timely for me and very synchronistic. And then I stopped reading it for a little while Yeah, and I didn't know why I just stopped. And I wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't interested in it. I would see it on my shelf all the time and knew I would want to come back to it. And then one day I picked it up again about a couple of weeks ago, I binged the rest of it And within that time period, everything that stuck out to me had happened in the past and basically in the weeks that I had refrained from reading it in the first place. So again, had I read the rest of this book, I would not have gotten as much out of it as I had just listened to this kind of unconscious pause or push to wait. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of practices throughout this book. Like visions. Uh, Some people would call them journeys, depending on whatever your vocabulary is. There's just such a difficulty in explaining vocabulary in the spiritual community. Yeah. And there's also like other things that you can do. There's some practices that are you can do just without having to fully commit. Like I would say, the consecration of salt and water, you could see that and implement that into your life and that's what I did right when I read it and it really resonated with me I exercise myself all the time now Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so there's things like that but also this is an exorcist handbook written from the perspective of someone who is a professional exorcist who writes this book from a non-religious point of view it's from a secular perspective that's but it's written in a way that you can apply it to whatever faith you practice and you just to whatever types of beings you're dealing with. There is so much in here um, that I, w- again, am just so blown away by the amount of information, the quality of information, not that I'm like a judge on all
1: quality of an exorcist but You can feel when you read her words specifically how true they rang. Because, yeah, this, this book was... It's the tools you can use across any faith or lack thereof. But it was written specifically as a handbook for uh, esoteric Catholic priests to perform exorcisms to begin with. So she's just I remember I remember in that interview, uh, she was just really stumped why anyone else would want to even bother picking this book up. (laughs) At least for me, I, I grew up in a really Catholic background, a very, very heavily Catholic influenced background by people who were not exhibiting the Christ-like qualities that the faith kind of requires of you to be good at, you know, practicing that faith. It was very like narcissistic and like a mask of goodness as opposed to actual deep-seated goodness. So growing up, I, I really saw the stark contrast between what the ideological Um, And very, very heavily magical workings of the church had to offer versus what most people picked up and used with it. So when I picked this book up, it was exactly the, the thing to kind of knock me into going, okay, some people actually see the world the way you do. Some people are like, "Yeah, if you're going to fuck around with this stuff, then you're going to blow yourself up." She says that all the oh, time, yeah. which I think is hysterical. And she says it in the book too. Um the disclaimers that we have for this book are not from us. They're specifically from the author, and she will tell you point blank like you're going to you're you're going to get hurt if you don't do this stuff right. And sometimes you have to get hurt in order to learn how to not get hurt later. So small cuts versus big, big misfires. Um, and she has a really beautiful way of explaining a lot of things that I think we kind of take for granted. Like she talks about ghosts, but she's just like, yeah, this is just kind of what they are. It's not selling you anything. It's not, you know, trying to convince you of anything. I'm pretty sure at some point in this book, she's like, you don't have to believe me. This is just, I'm writing this because this is my experience and I know how this stuff works. So yeah. that's what I really appreciate was I know that I'm not being like sold anything. And I, ex- I actually had an exorcist, um, an exorcism cleaning earlier today. Uh, I did my little, my salt bath that I consecrated. And I believe I sent that to you too. You're having something, at some point like a couple months ago and i was like hey do you do this and i just sent you i think a couple pages of this book which is probably when i recommended it to you but those pages i think i have them saved and start on my phone and i send them to people all the time because it's so easy and it's so effective
0: yeah that was definitely that was when you sent them to me or sent this book to me, I think. And then ever since then, it's so funny. Like, I recommend people do that all the time as well. Like, it's so Mm -hmm. simple because people, well, the people will first, like consecrate salt and water. And I'm like, no, it's it's different than what you think it is. Um, There's like a, for some people, a heavy like religiousness sounding uh, connotation. I'm not phrasing words correctly right there, but people get kind of off-put by it. But then once they read it, they're like, oh, this makes sense. We, we just yeah. have so much associations with the word exorcism and consecrate and holding up two fingers together in the shape of a cross when reality it's like Malkuth, uh, the <laughs> earth.
1: Precisely. And I mean, the magic has been hidden within art and language and the church, any organized religion has just taken the magical ritualistic elements and profited from them and kind of become like a dictator Of those kinds of things. I have a lot of opinions about the church and all of that. So if you're off put by the word consecration, you're maybe not ready to do some magical workings. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there's a level of maturity and like getting over preconceived notions of what things are. And, and like I said, I have a ton of religious trauma that I had to kind of work through and get past in order to start my practice in witchcraft for example the the catholic church specifically uses frankincense as incense during big uh, rituals in certain masses and even the architecture of a lot of churches are that way because of ritualistic and magical energetic flows they're like batteries um but anyway i'm getting off topic but now coming to terms with all the materials and and the, the verbiage of that being being able to navigate your way past those kinds of things is kind of step one, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, before all of the fun, flashy, like you know, candles and ghosts and goblins and all of this glitter and crystals and stuff, like that's all stuff people sell you. She's very she's a big proponent of doing inner work and getting over yourself and like being humble Absolutely. and respectful of the things you can't see. Because if you can see it it's been there for way longer than you've been able to notice.
0: <laughs> yeah. She, you know, she actually used the comparison. Um, it was for parasites to can to mm-hmm. Candida, which, when I read that I was like, Holy fuck. Like that is such an amazing example and a very personal one to me. So that stuck out to me in this book too. Like, candida is an overgrowth of a type of bacteria in uh, your gut and or mm-hmm. bacteria or fungus i okay i'm i'm not a scientist disclaimer in case any of you <laughs> know <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it's it's actually good for you in a certain amount of quality and a certain amount of quantity but then when it gets overgrown it basically becomes so intelligent that it can influence you you as like a person to do things that benefit its growth. So you'll suddenly crave sugar more or starchy your foods or things because that's what feeds the candida. Uh, so she compares parasites to that. And to have examples like that that are, I think, more practical also really highlights the ways that you can recognize some of these things in your daily life. Uh, she also has an amount of humor throughout this book that really catches you off guard. And I think some of it might this was written in 2010, so we have to keep that in mind. But mm-hmm. at the same time, this is a really, really con- what well, can be really heavy subject matter if you take it seriously in the sense that you respect it. So if you're learning about how like the the ways that um, a demonic entity can manifest uh, in a person, and then you have a joke right afterwards. It, like, helps, I think, keep you from, especially if this is newer to you, or if you've never considered this, how prevalent, not specifically demons, because she does say that that's, like, not, it we're talking, okay, I just, again, people have so many preconceived notions, I feel like I can just feel people, like, feeling like, okay, not everything's demons. You're right, and she says that, but you have to, like, approach things in a way that's not gonna end up having your ass whooped, so you have to kind of, think not necessarily worst case scenario, but again, have a respect for the work you're doing in a way that allows the possibility that you could not know what you're actually dealing with and then cover all your bases.
1: Yeah. It's that approaching your work with the sense of a humble curiosity and being fully present. Most of what she teaches in She actually has a magical course that's pretty much a PhD if you do the full seven years of it. And it's fully free. It's online. The first thing she teaches you is to shut up and just listen, to quiet yourself and to understand that you are not the center of everything. So many times um, you hear people like who just want the aesthetic of being magical. So they, they talk about demons and I'm a demon slayer and blah, blah, blah. It's like you can't slay a demon (laughs) that's not what no that's okay sure okay do your thing all right all right Hen. have fun that's not really how this works I think a lot of this writing also comes from something that from a point of view that I also share which is a non-human centric point of view Mm -hmm. and I feel like you probably also share that is just uh, you know I am not as a as a piece of consciousness within an, an alive human body, I am not the highest on the food chain. It's a circle, it's a it's a multi-dimensional shape that is all. Uh, integrated within there is no hierarchy there but so many people come in with this really almost imperialistic mindset of I'm going to do magic I'm going to capture demons I'm going to you know conquer the plant material that I'm using and just like everything is to serve me and make me this master sorcerer it's very jafar and I'm not into it um <laughs> you know that example mean? <laughs> I mean, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, uh, it's so silly, but she, she comes into it with just like, yeah, they're not, not all demons are here to steal your soul. Not all, uh, demons are scary, but they do, you know, if, if they're there to cause trouble, here are the signs. Um, You know, if if you've never worked with, like, the Lesser Key of Solomon or any of the actual, like, demonic texts, you probably aren't even familiar with the insane just volume of what you could be coming up against. Mm -hmm. And that's just demons. Um, And most things aren't even that. It's, like, if you're not calling on, like, you know, they don't need to be here. There's so much else in the universe to (laughs) fuck with. Like, you know what I mean? And not that I'm an expert by any means either, but... My favorite thing is that she talks about how they smell yeah. um, a lot of the historical texts. Again, it's not a vision based thing uh, through your eyes. You You will feel these kinds of energies. And she's like, demons smell like dog shit. So if you don't have a dog and there's no dog shit anywhere. That's the first clue <laughs> that something is actually truly amiss. And it sounds so silly. But I have a, a very weird understanding of exactly what she means. And that's not very far off. <laughs> I'm not sure if you have any experiences with like the... The smell? I don't know what... Yeah, what the clair of that is.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> No, wait. Is that... that? No, Cur- it's, Cur- it's, Goss- it's- oh, fuck, what's the smell? What's the
1: Claire smell? Oh, well. Well, I'm going to mark it down. You're going to get points off for that. <laughs>
0: I don't know if you guys know, I'm actually taking my exorcism exam right now. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I know what you're talking about, like with the clear, the clear smelling. That's what Claire means. For those of you don't know, it's we're talking about the like psychic senses. I don't have it personally with like the smell of entities like that. I have other experiences. I know that I actually, I have a friend who um, he was on the podcast One of the first people I ever interviewed, and he would tell me that, like, whenever he would smell like rotting flesh, that's how he would know he'd need to do a cleansing. I know what you mean, but I have other experiences that type of energy, but not with smell specifically. Did you want to explain more about that?
1: I certainly don't have any experience with uh, demonic energy necessarily, but I do, I think on the last uh, episode that we talked about, I was just mentioning all of the weird brushes with parasitic energy I have. Mm -hmm. And it was funny, as soon as I got the Dog that I have now, by the way, I might derail our conversation talking about how great my dog is from time to time. Your dog is adorable. <laughs> Thank you. I have to say. Hail Hakate. We, we work to manifest him. He is the sweetest boy. But I live right across the street from a dog park. We've had fosters before. We've like walked dogs in my neighborhood plenty of times. I've personally, obviously, I live here. I walk around. A good amount of times, but there was the first few weeks after we got him, almost every single time I took him out for a walk, I stepped in dog shit. And I was like, what the fuck? This is a little bit too frequent of a happenstance for for my liking. Like I've I've lived here long enough to know, and I usually look out for it anyway, because it's New York. This is this is something. So I had to like visually clean my house and I did my ritual baths and all of that. But I would every once in a while get a s like a whiff of that intense dog shit smell where I knew it wasn't something I had stepped in. Mm-hmm. Um so it's always just like those mile markers for me. And I think subconsciously, because I've already read this book, it was in my like Rolodex of like, oh, you need to you need to deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing I have like ritual cleansings that I do so it got it got rid of it I had to I think I had to incorporate sound as well as like smoke water, and modern air mm-hmm. into that to to fully get it off but wow yeah man yeah it'll it'll tell you <laughs> this book like it's
0: I I mentioned earlier um, how I kind of experienced some things while I was reading it. And this kind of goes along with what mm-hmm. you were saying, but not with smell. Josephine McCarthy expresses multiple times throughout this book that she will experience, has experienced, and you will experience if you do this work, physical evidence of your workings in the sense of injuries, illness, um, weird scratches, bruises, straight up broken bones sometimes like coming out of vision with like a sprained ankle or having a black eye and things like that and it sounds even I would say to the most open-minded person to this thing it doesn't psychologically make sense until you've experienced something like that like I believed her when I read it but it didn't compute in my head how that could happen so I would think about it a lot um, when I was reading it and there was it was the section on when she just fully outlined how an exorcism would go or a, a sample example exorcism would go for removing an actual greater demon. Uh, and she explains and reminds again in there that that's rare than pop culture would have you think, but still it's a better way to approach things especially if you don't know what's going on and she explains again in there how she sustains usually actual physical injuries from those things and and she says in there too that you don't want to have I guess evidence isn't the right word you don't want to like create ways for things to like come back and find you or to like preserve pieces Mm -hmm. of like an exorcism or things like that to have it flare up again so that's why I'm being so cautious like with what I'm saying right now even because I read that closed the book, already had these kind of mental confusions around how a physical injury can manifest and things like that, I had just read it. Within a couple of minutes, and I'm, I'm literally not kidding, within a couple of minutes, I'm still sitting on the couch, the book's in front of me. I experience one of the most painful things that I've ever experienced in my back. Like I, I was having like menstrual cramps already. Um, and I know what those feel like. And this wasn't that. Like it was like a spasming burst and it rendered me basically immobile. <laughs> like I couldn't even, like I was on the couch. Like uh, and there was no relief from it. Like you could, like uh, anyone who's experienced any type of cramp, like whether it's menstrual cramps, stomach cramps, and regular digestive uncomfortabilities foot cramps whatever you know there's usually like a couple of seconds of reprieve in between each one at least this was relentless my immediate thing was like i need antispasmodics i need peppermint tea because that's my go-to for that and i was like i can't even get up the stairs to go make that for myself right now <sighs> Um, So I had to use my phone and call my housemate who was upstairs and then ask him. He's a nurse. um, And he because I was like, oh, my God, is my did my appendix just burst?" you know? And so he did like a check and everything to make sure that was all fine. I was immediately aware of how weird the timing was. And when I pulled cards out and everything, it was all this stuff about learning my own strength, learning how how things are and things like that. I don't know. I mean, I have no way of knowing for sure, but. There's just a lot of very strange variables in that situation that really made me pay attention and take this a lot more seriously again. Um, it didn't feel like anything. It wasn't like a continuous problem. It was, but but it was something. And I understand to some extent what Josie McCarthy was talking about now.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you're okay by the way I remember you mentioning that happening and I was like I didn't realize you've just been reading this book (laughs) (laughs) um damn but yeah I think that's it's a pretty good way to kind of explain she's very good at reminding you that you have to be able to make those kind of connections for yourself and not just like blindly freak out and be reactive. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy that you're safe and I'm really really happy that you have support around you to help you physically navigate you through this, but I think both of us in our respective circumstances with this stuff definitely gained some some kind of a, an additional level of awareness in our surroundings and understanding, you know, how exact how exactly like intense this kind of work can be even if you're just reading about it
0: yeah I don't want to scare people that's not my intention that's why I was trying to choose my words really carefully I was also trying to think if for some weird-ass reason Josephine McCarthy ever listens to this am I making a mistake (laughs) by documenting an experience I don't know that's something I'm trying to figure out more
1: well, she's really good at reminding you to take very detailed notes, but don't you know describe it in detail. Like if you meet an entity, don't like write their name. It's like words are portals. You know, obviously don't draw a picture of the damn thing. Yeah. Like, you know, she said that verbatim, too. I think you're, at least in my opinion, probably pretty safe talking about the very real things. (laughs) With the
0: visual piece, that's what I thought of because I'm an extremely visual person. And when she was explaining how the exorcism would work, I was playing a movie in my head the whole time.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: that's when this happened.
1: Yep. Yeah. But that's, like, that's, I think, something that she does really, really brilliantly is she gives you a gateway to have those experiences in enough of a removal from being in those situations so that you feel some of the effects and it's really intense even through like your imagination from reading her words of a very like parred down nondescript thing that she has done uh, over several years so that's like so many filtration layers and still that energy is coming to you that is a really really powerful lesson and she's She's a brilliant teacher in that regard um in in almost anything you read of hers. she's like that if you listen to her interviews, she's like that she's probably I'm like such a fangirl um, but probably one of the most convincing. Sometimes I need to remind myself that some of this is real, right? Because you can get really woo-woo and like really into the the physical, tangible things and the prettiness and the feel goods or whatever. And if you don't want to do curses, don't do curses and, you know, love and light or whatever. And as human beings, we respond to pain as how we learn lessons the best. So if things go right too many times in a row, you start to doubt whether or not anything's actually happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But when something like just comes out of the ether and knocks your teeth out, uh, you're like, oh, okay, no, yep, you're real. hundred percent, (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But I am glad that you're okay because that's number one.
0: God, I, Love things that hurt me.
1: <laughs> My
0: hobbies, <laughs> the way I approach school. Like, what is the most painful way I can go through final exam week? I can write one paper in a day. That, you know, I am keep bringing up school throughout this because that's what I'm doing right now. I'm in exams while I'm recording this technically. But I, <laughs> I really can't explain how seen I feel reading this book, too. There's so many things in here that obviously, from decades of experience as an exorcist that she has that she's able to explain so succinctly and thoroughly and precisely that I obviously have not been able to figure out because in in, in much comparison i obviously I'm not an exorcist, I'm someone who's reading about it and has more parallel ties with specific things she's mentioned as opposed to it as a whole. But the way that she has like a philosophy in here and specific practices, I don't even have a point with what I'm saying right now. I just want to emphasize you'll know if this book works for you or not. And if it doesn't, that's totally fine. Also, don't make you... Yeah. yeah, like, she says throughout the book, and you mentioned it a little bit in the interview, the exorcist life kind of sucks. Yeah. You're smelling dog shit all the time. As you're saying dog shit, I'm watching the neighbor's dog shit out the window. That's funny.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not watching <laughs> it. I just observed it. Just. To...
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. Totally. I believe you. <laughs> but, she, but she says
0: it's like, why she doesn't know why people would want it. It's not like a glamorous thing. There are... Levels of sacrifices you have to make in her in her viewpoint. So I'm sure there's different people who go about things differently. I've spoken to someone else who does some work kind of akin to exorcist work, but I don't think they call themselves that and then sent them this link and they got it. They like it, but they don't agree with a lot of what Josie McCarthy says. And that's fine. You know, there's multiple ways to go about something, but this book if you're, if you're interested in those things, if you have, if you have skepticism, I would say about the way you've been taught to even like categorize things such as demons and angels and other entities in your head, I would think this is a really good book to read because it really levels it all out and explains, explains those beings in a way that is not, I mean, there's, there's hierarchy in the sense like there's, organizational hierarchy but those levels of intensity
1: and complexity i think is a better term than like a an amount of power or status mm-hmm.
0: and so she explains it very much like in a way that expresses that and also how like this is the first time i ever knew that you could and i'm saying you as in a person but also like as in i don't recommend this <laughs> but you can <laughs> bind an angel and then that angel, if they're bound, which is some magical orders or people, will they'll, they'll have this. They'll do that. You can be you can be dealing with a, a curse that is of an angelic origin. And then the way our pop culture and surface level spirituality, all this stuff, presents those things to us, that would be absolutely absurd and impossible mm-hmm. to even suggest something like that, when in reality, it is extremely dangerous and way more common than you would think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's That was like kind of the other side of the coin of demons. Like not every, first of all, most things aren't demons. Mm-hmm. They're not nearly as common. Uh, and they're certainly not trying to like get into your, steal your soul and be a dementor or whatever. But on the other hand, like angels are fucking scary. And sorry, I don't, I don't remember if I'm allowed to curse on this podcast, I just have oh, yeah. freely You're been throwing around. <laughs> in the spirit of Josephine McCarthy, I'm going to say fuck a lot because she's hilarious and curses like a sailor too. Um, but yeah, angels are terrifying and they don't have your best intentions in mind either. If you think about the angelic realm and even biblically, if you want to go there, Maybe let's just take it from like more of a pop culture stance, because I think a better way to describe this succinctly is if you've ever seen the movie Dogma, uh, one of my favorite movies. It's kind of aligned with this book, actually, because it's um, it's one of my favorite movies of this topic, because have you ever seen it? I haven't, but I've had multiple people recommend it to me oh it's a blast it's actually because of some weird corporate nonsense very difficult to find it on dvd now because of licensing and stuff but it's a really well done very funny movie and it's these two angels the angel of death and uh it was loki and somebody else i don't remember uh metatron i think um i don't remember azrael yeah it was azrael yeah well, Ezreal was a demon. Ugh, I'm getting into the movie too much. <laughs> it's it's Matt Damon and Ben Affleck as as scorned angels coming back to Earth, and basically God kicked him out, and they're pissed. And uh, they there's like a loophole because of the Catholic Church, whatever, whatever. The plot of the movies they have to go through like the the doors of this church um, to re-enter heaven. And there's this whole monologue that Ben Affleck does. He's just so fucking tired because of how angry he is at God. He's like, he made us angels and we're perfect and we just serve him and we scrape and we do everything and, you know, we we do our roles like little worker bees in the hive. And then what does he do? He turns around and makes humans, these insane, stupid creatures that he loves more than us, which is why he's like really pissed (laughs) that he got kicked out of heaven because he didn't want to do his role as an angel anymore the point i had one i promise and i'm getting off track but yeah angels aren't like on our side they're not here to serve us they're here to serve biblically at least the like overarching kind of god figure so they're in a different realm than us and there's kind of some beef between humanity as a whole Uh, and the angelic realm Mm -hmm. and i don't think people really have a lot of respect for that like there are individual accounts biblically of angels you know giving us a hand but not in the way you you'd expect and kind of circling back a millionth time back to demons and the devil lucifer let us not forget was an angel who decided to do exactly that which was say i don't want to do this nonsense anymore and he got cast out of heaven and he's the one that was most on our side and the concept even of the devil satan lucifer there's so many different variations and different versions of that entity it's incredibly complex and and very difficult to explain succinctly and wrap your mind around so the pop culture kind of youtubey like oh if you're seeing like 444 everywhere that means all the angels are telling you that you know they're cheering you on or whatever it's like that is a very nice thought and it could be very encouraging for sure to hear something like that but um angels are not something you want to fuck with yeah. To the long and short of that, I could have probably just said that. But. no, like I, I
0: yeah, it's very and I don't wanna okay, so I, I agree with you. And I also know that some people listening to this are gonna have very personal experiences that would seem like the opposite of what we're saying. So again, you don't have to believe anything we say. Have your own personal experience with whatever you're dealing with. Um, that's totally fine. Like I'm not we're not here. And I know Echo's not here, like she's not meaning this in any way either, but like to tell people how they should or shouldn't interpret their own experiences and things. We're just providing an extra perspective for everyone that I wish was more readily available. But I also understand why it's not readily available Mm -hmm. to
1: people are scared. (laughs) People do dumb things when they're scared. Yeah. That's why.
0: (laughs) Two with angels, like I've always seen them and by always, I mean more so, I mean, I just have, had such an aversion to them most of my life but Mm -hmm. recently it's been more of seeing them as like a neutral beings and there's and something my friend marco explained is like there there is still truth to this more of (laughs) there is truth to the the archangel michael that some people know through pop goldster who's like a very muscular man, with like <laughs> super nice abs and really good forearms. I love forearms type type of thing. Archetypes, again, not the right word. I really, I'm really a stickler with language when I mean things sometimes. But again, spirituality, it's hard to actually say what you actually mean. The
1: filtration system through a lot of different layers. But that's that's why there are so many different ways one can experience the same family of entity. If somebody feels like angels are always on our side cheering on that's amazing however my point at least was that it's almost impossible to see the entirety of something like the angelic realm just from one one single human perspective and there's so many historical texts uh of almost infinite different perspectives on this Mm -hmm. um that was my point. So yeah, it's it's Perfect. difficult to put into words for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah,
0: but like with there, there is some truth to like there being, I guess, like an icon for an angel because enough people are associating that image with that angelic entity that it becomes kind of its own thing. Yeah, it's an ego Yeah, so there's truth to that too. I'm not saying that doesn't exist but I think people get lost sometimes in like a projection of what they want something to be. And this Mm -hmm. is, goes to like, for me too, I'm not excluding myself here. Like we can get lost in the projection of what we want something to be and lose sight of its actual potential possible source.
1: It's really difficult to, and it is a, a, Practice is why meditation is so important if you want to have a a magical practice that is in goes into these kinds of depths to be able to focus your mind and to be able to take your energy out of your physical body while remaining aware of what's going on around your physical being. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you just stay in your body with your eyes open, asking the universe or whoever you're working with to appear in front of you in your room, you're not going to get very far. And if you did, you would probably shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um,
0: it would almost be like an involuntary response because mm-hmm. it's just a, <laughs> something that just so just breaks what we think could be. I I mean, I, I'm working with a new system of magic right now that literally all I'm doing is just getting used to that, the energy of it. I'm not invoking anything. I'm not directly trying to communicate with anything. All I'm doing is I I made a rosary and connecting with the language that's associated with it. And even that itself, it's like you can't really imagine a color that you can't see.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And then if suddenly you see a color that you've never saw before it's scary in the way that it like makes you reevaluate everything that's ever happened to you and every sense you've ever had or all these things and you have to recategorize and i think that there's something about being faced with something that you didn't perceive to be possible whether it's energetically feeling it physically seeing it whatever it may be sensing it smelling it and then at the same exact moment your brain kind of making the connections that you now have to recategorize your entire past, like your entire life in the mm-hmm. framework of accepting the existence of this other thing. That's what I think is so overwhelmingly terrifying.
1: Well, that's that neuroplasticity that we were kind of talking about in the beginning where a lot of this work, and it's very strange to me that this isn't or just a common thing that people want to experience. Um, but that recalibration, that ability to constantly take in new information and adjust your worldview, that elasticity of your reality is incredibly important just being a human on the mm-hmm. planet. But especially in magical working, it's just going back to if you have a problem with the word angel because you have a problem with the you know a specific church, Deal with that first, yep, I had to do that <laughs> yeah, no, same absolutely <laughs> same. and I honestly, I think I probably picked this book up almost as like a joke in the beginning, and then I could not put it down because it was it felt like it was being written for me going, hello, it's your time. wake up, but if you have a problem with the some of the concepts that are are being laid out, like you have to work with. The fact that, you know, your perspective is not the only perspective and it's not the only reality that's possible. And when you get adept at recalibrating and taking a in new information objectively and discerning it without judgment and then recategorizing um, how you, you work with this new information, that's going to be... Probably, like no one can sell you that, which is why no one really mm-hmm. talks about it. But it's the one of the most important tools you can have as a magician or someone doing any kind of work um, in the etheric realm. But also just as a human being, being able to change your mind when presented with new information. I don't know if you've come across anybody who needs to do that recently, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know it would be a lot easier if people could come into uh conversations about things that they have never considered before with that mentality i think we would get a lot further um you know as a a philosopher even people use the word argument colloquially incorrectly because as as someone who studies philosophy you know it's really just sitting down going here are the things that uh, I believe, and this is why. And then you say, well, what about this thing that probably doesn't go? And then it's a it's a it's an interweaving of those ideas until you come upon either the fact that it doesn't work or the fact that it does. But it's not screaming. <laughs> it's not yeah, digging it's not. your heels in and stamping your feet. And that's really a lot of the roadblocks in uh, magic specifically and just being... Having living a full life is your tendency to do that or to not. Um, man, I hope you enjoy how preachy I get.
0: <laughs> I, I I love it. Um, as you were saying that, I was there's a really like I would say some people will consider preachy paragraph from Josephine McCarthy that I highlighted in my book that I wanted to share with everyone. This is funny because it's like I do the opposite of what she says in here. Uh. <laughs> And it's, you know, part of the reason why I do the opposite is because I can't. I'll I'll just read it and then I'll come back. Keep your home simple so that when you have worked, you can relax in a clean and quiet environment. Don't bring your work home. If someone needs help, do not bring him into your home. Your home must be your haven. I made the mistake a long time ago of working at home sometimes, and it is a mistake I sorely regret. Once the path to your door has been trodden, it has big landing lights on it and every being in the neighborhood will be at your door the old rule. If you can see them, they can see you. And if you work at home, all the lights will go on and everyone will see you. And this is so wild, like when I read it, because my, my current living circumstances are definitive of like my, my working situation. Also, we're in a pandemic, so everyone has mm-hmm. to work from home. But my job is like this podcast and doing readings. And I live in a one room <laughs> basement. So I, my, my, my desk, which is my altar and then a coffee table I drag over to make a version of mega desk, which is
1: (laughs) I've seen the photos. It's very impressive.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So that is about 20 feet from my bed. There's multiple other altars in this room. I have all my herb stuff. And then I do, I was doing all my like school stuff as well. I don't think people really until this episode really even knew like i'm a full-time student on top of all this shit so that's why i i don't I'm not super super active on social media um especially now but compared to a lot of other like quote-unquote accounts or like i'm I quoting accounts like quote-unquote <laughs> <laughs> um social media presences or things like that because i literally am drowning all the time i'm a generator in human design we do this I realized when I read that, I was like, wow, like it would be because I mean, we all have like, I think an unconscious straw to recognize, oh, working in my bed isn't really great because then I'm associating my bed with like answering emails or things like that. Like we already kind of know that and like psychology knows that. But at the same time, like I never like I I knew that when you do stuff in your house, you're essentially calling stuff in. But my job is literally connecting with other people. And their guides and teams and any other beings that are working with them. And I do that by literally having to like, I have protections and all this stuff in place. I'm really just giving the the bare bones of what I do right now, but I have to like call them in
1: but that's that's a great that's a two-pronged kind of great point that you're making is that as much as i i personally love Josephine McCarthy and her work and i know that now you do too um a huge red flag if you are really fan personing over someone in the in the magical community or any community science art whatever um if you don't find something to disagree with them on that is not great. If mm-hmm. there is something that you can't find, that's like, oh, that doesn't really sit with me. Uh, and it's not because it makes me feel bad. <laughs> it's because like, I, I don't just agree with it or um, it's not feasible for me, then that they, that's a very slippery slope into like deifying someone else or projecting totally. out, yeah. like you're giving away your power to somebody. So first of all, Thank you for bringing that up because it's very important to find something that you disagree with. Um, you know, she's a lot more old school. She's been doing this since, you know, it, I think the the 90s or the 80s or something. A lot has changed since she started and since she's been moving through this. And she said herself she's excited for when her Aquaria course is no longer relevant because that means that other people have moved past that ability and we'll rewrite it for the next generation so yeah absolutely be discerning even if you're really especially if you're really into something uh, that someone else is uh, talking about but also you said yourself, you have your protections in place. So, you know, making sure that ritual cleansing gets done is really the best you can do. And I feel like at least in the beginning, because I also work in my house, like I do readings in in my house. I do all of my work. I, you know, channel all of my my recipes and like make things like in my apartment. There's really, it's New York. I don't know. (laughs) I don't have, there is no second location to go to right now, but I, I did take her to slightly and move my work into a different room. Initially when I had a roommate, uh, I only had it in my bedroom and it was like near my bed. And there were some, like, I could tell I would have sleep disturbances and there was just some stuff that would be lingering, um, and now that it's in a completely different room, I cleanse this room every day, I protect it, I cleanse the rest of my house in a specific way. Um, and I'm sure you, you do the same thing. And it helps to kind of get a really intimate feeling of when something is awry, like really sharpening your senses totally. to that kind of stuff. If you felt like any, if you had the option, would you still do things? Would you work from home like that?
0: So that, that's one other thing I wanted to mention too, is like, as much as I am, like, it's important to recognize your own circumstances. And obviously, again, we're in a pandemic. So like going to other people, having like in-person meetings or whatever, like isn't even practical, um, but also like having a larger client base online, like I I have to do things through the internet. But at the same time, I I, I get as much as I, I would say at this point, don't implement what she says. I do understand what she's saying. Because it did shift the way I seek to connect with other people's stuff. So like I had learned previously to call things in and then just like banish it afterwards. Um, And But now I'm working more on creating a neutral astral location and meeting everyone there. That's not necessarily Mm -hmm. in my home, which I would say is much better. And I would I do recommend that for anyone who's who's reading in general, even if you do have a secondary location. It's just, you know, you 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 do things for a while. I had to do it the other way to, like, learn. And then I outgrew that. And then I read something that kind of pushed me to do something else. So I improvised. I created a secondary location when I didn't really have one. But at the same time, like, it's not going to be perfect. I'm still literally here. I know for me, I would prefer to have everything in different places Like I would prefer, I wouldn't really want a second room. Or not, sorry. I wouldn't really want a second place to go so much as I want a different room, like you have, like you mentioned, because that way it's still really accessible to me. Even the idea for me of reading at like a as an at an esoteric shop is unappealing because I'm gonna go into a space that's not mine. Yeah, I just (laughs) I don't want to do that. I like having all my tools a lot of my readings are me getting up and being like oh I have this thing and then I have to like run across the room and bring it back and show them on the screen because I get excited um, <laughs> and I can't do that if I have to like bring one deck with me somewhere I get I totally get what she's saying and I'm not just dis- like I I disagree with her in like a universal literal application but she's also talking about
1: exorcisms in the book <laughs> yeah she's also <laughs> talking about people with like demonic and, and parasitic yeah. attachments coming through your front door which I think is yeah. also a, a- bit of a, a, a huge distinction there like mm-hmm. she says uh, as your work as an exorcist starts the moment you pick up the phone mm-hmm. when someone calls you saying that they want your help yeah. uh so as soon as you agree to that you're already getting your energy pulled on it so having someone enter in your space you don't have any place to go for respite that's just yours like your safe haven outside of that but yeah, you and I aren't doing exorcisms. We right. probably won't uh, in the near future. I've definitely considered it in the long term, but I have so much to learn uh, in the meantime. So yeah. yeah, that's a really interesting point to to have that uh, like space in the void where you meet people because I I've started to do that as well. And I actually want to hear your if you would like to share your methods and experience with that kind of uh, neutral location?
0: Well, I learned kind of how to do it a little bit when I first, this is like a different intention of what I was doing initially. So a couple years ago is when I first learned how to like journey and be able to meet my ancestors. And the person that like taught me how to do that we did so by like creating a location that was connected to a place that you know. So she was a really big proponent of meeting someone by a river or some type of body of running water. So not like an ocean or a lake or a pond, but like a river, a, a stream or a creek it was a place that is of value to you uh, that you could like actually envision but there's also layers to like reality. So it's not necessarily in your home, but it's also, but it's still a place that you could kind of training wheels yourself to create. So I have like a river in my head that whenever I do ancestral work, I go to that place, even if I'm not anywhere near it and I connect in that spot and I ask things to meet me there. So I took kind of like that same idea and then started to create like just this, place that i can go through a portal and have kind of like a a neutral room and then other things can come in when i ask them to and then we both leave and then go back to our own people that they're connected with or whatever like it's um it's really hard for me to explain verbally because i it's so visual for me but that's how I started to do it. I haven't, you know, I don't have, I'm still working on that because there are times where like, I'm just really connected to stuff. So I know like with this idea, as soon as you agree and you pick up the phone for like an exorcism, uh, you, you, you get start to get pulled on. That's totally true for like people book appointments with me for readings as well. Um, I just pay attention to what happens. And you're a perfect example of that. Like we talked about it in the the episode you recorded where it's like right before all this stuff happened around like feathers and deities. and then I told you about that. and then now that's a huge thing for you still,
1: Mhm. yeah, I was actually looking um on the the ground when I was doing errands earlier today and I saw a feather while I was thinking about our podcast. <laughs> that <laughs> we were recording it's like oh yeah I have to do this this and this and then I saw a feather on the ground and I was like oh there it is um yeah those connections are, are very very real for sure and I love I love that I think you explained it really well I have a good handle on on what I think you do and um I did something a while ago when I was doing when I was attempting to create something like that. I create like a a capsule, I call it a capsule meditation in the void uh, with another person. So we meditate at the same time, we create a capsule and then you just send your energy into it. So it's just there Mm -hmm. and I can pull from it if like as necessary and, um, you know, help give whatever energy back that is, um, required of of that exchange and then you know they take it so it's like this filtration system that we don't ever come in contact with one another like officially mm-hmm. uh, in the physical realm and it works pretty darn well too i have a feeling you also have a pretty high success rate with your um with your neutral room mm-hmm. so that's i think that's really a lot of where the future of this work is going to come from Um, we are not going to be able to gather in large crowds like we used to. We're not going to be able to necessarily enter people's homes or businesses the way that we were before 2020. So with texts like this, it's great to have all of this raw material, but you're right, improvising with your circumstances is going to be an asset and necessary for any work that you do. Um, There is no one way to do anything. It's just what's best for you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So is there anything else that you wanted to touch on with this book?
1: Oh, man. Um, There's just so much in here that we didn't even touch on. Yeah. Probably. (laughs) Like she talks about, you know, working with dead people. If you're someone who's a medium, this would be an interesting book to kind of Uh, read that chapter on she talks about fairies and and other beings also which i i kind of wanted to get your opinion on that section of the book oh
0: yeah
1: have any but the just to close out i guess the the exorcism exorcism portion of this the the flashy you know hollywood aspect of it it doesn't look like what you think it looks like and that's a really big thing to remember it's not it's not climbing up the walls it's not puking pea soup and having your head spin around and crosses upside down she's uh she's always very careful to be like if somebody calls me saying that things are like that I I tell them good luck I don't I'm not working (laughs) with you because that's not real and you're just trying to waste my time but it's it's like nightmares, sleep disturbances, smelling things that are rotten when there's nothing rotten. Um, things that, with all of the investigation you can do physically uh, in the material world, that is an obvious explanation for what's going on. If those things fail you, this might be something worth looking into. It's not yeah. uh, it's not this big dramatic dangerous thing she talks about people who have entities attached to them for their entire lives because they just don't uh they don't want to fix it or they don't believe it or they're in this bind with this spirit for such a long time that it just becomes a part of them Mm -hmm. and that's how subtle it can be it's not gonna unless you're trying to remove these entities or work with in a way that goes against what they're trying to do with whatever they're possessing you won't feel anything dramatic like what we were describing mm-hmm. um either yeah. i think that's really like you were not being possessed when you were no doing, doing what you were describing you were reading about someone who was taking a possession off of someone that's a really important distinction um i think to to note because it's not very dramatic
0: yeah and I will say, too, one thing that I didn't really... I mean, I knew this was a thing, but I didn't really—I never really read about it until this point. And I'll come back to the fairies thing, too. You can become possessed by a deity.
1: Oh, yeah. I wanted to mention that, too, because I've had to warn people about that. But, um, yeah. What did you want to say about it?
0: Well, I, just, I highlighted in my book... So this is an example of her humor. It just says... A deity that wants a meat suit usually wants to have a wider presence out in humanity, and you can give the deity a way to do that without wearing someone else.
1: <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what the the statues and the, the visual representations of, of deities are for our effort into... Working with deities, whether or not it's within a a religious context or a magical context where we're working with them energetically and like giving them offerings and all of that stuff. That is really how they survive. Mm -hmm. You know, that that old saying of like, you die twice, once when your body dies and once when someone says your last name for the last time or your first name for the last time, whatever. And it's never spoken of again that's when you actually die so there are some deities that because they're popular and people just keep venerating them they're much they're they're fine they're happy they're powerful in this realm because of how much are uh uh, we're charging them with our energy yeah Uh, but there are some that are just they feel like they're dying and so they want to jump into a meat suit and like that that kind of possession is fascinating to me uh, I it's th- funny because i
0: think on the last episode we recorded we both talked about our general like again people have so many weird associations with the word skepticism we're using it in like the philosophical sense of like <laughs> we're not like I we have both have a lot of skepticism around deities and that is not to say that we're not into that shit like at all like you said hail Hakate earlier with like man get mm-hmm. man resting your dog like i know that story and you talked a little bit about something like that on the other podcast as well not this dog specifically but something else and um i am not interested in a power hierarchical like power as in like you are better than me all this type of stuff situation so like when if i'm working with a deity and that's the attitude i'm getting i just don't want to yeah I don't view things because they're deities as meaning that I have to have some type of specific response to that. Like, as in, I have to put my energy towards that. If I don't want to, I, I don't, I don't believe that. That's why I found that section so interesting too. It's like, I mean, we have a phrase in our in our world as humans in this language, whatever. It's like people are people. Uh, you know and people be people in people be people in <laughs> uh deities be deity and i don't know beings be being. <laughs> beings do shit when they exist and sometimes it's not our favorite and that's the quote i want on my tombstone that i've said
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's not our favorite i love that it's a very gentle way of putting it for sure yeah But we're so surrounded with like this intense toxic positivity that and and as a backlash response, the uh, really romanticization, romanticization, uh, being really enamored with the darkness um, also, it's just, it's not, it just is. You, You are everything. Everything is you. So only focusing on, you know, angels or deities or anything being good and 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 holy and and all of this without any other facets of of negative you know other sides of the coin is just not getting the whole picture um, just mm-hmm. like you are a a human being with faults and wonderful elements so is every other entity and energetic type that you can encounter um, a demon could help a lot of your magical workings and an angel can really fuck you up. Mm It's kind of the point. And deities are pretty notorious. I don't think that there's any myth out there, uh, any folklore that involves a a deity that isn't like, they don't have some sort of human um, element to them. We're like, they're really jealous or they're super greedy (laughs) or something, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, They're always lacking something, which is why they are in this world to begin with and interacting with us because we have something for them too Um,
0: yeah no i agree and i would say a similar thing with what people would understand fairies to be so i found the section in the book again um here she asked my one of my opinion on that and i you know i have not again i have not done exorcist work in the way that Josephine mccarthy talks about it so i can't tell you like what it's like removing a fairy curse or like really that I've ever encountered that. Like, I don't know. Um, but I will say, she does point out that you want to tread typically carefully with dealings with fairies because they will often switch sides or loyalties if it's in their interest to do so. That mm-hmm. is true in my experience. And what's funny is there's a being that I work with who I at this point understand to be fae. Cause that's what makes sense for me right now. But um I make a very clear distinction if I remember to. Sometimes I just say guide or ally because... Or sometimes I just say guide because it's just... I don't want to waste time with giving context every single time I mention this being. But they are here and they work with me because it works for us to do that right now. They're not like my guardian angel or whatever. Like we work together. And as soon as it doesn't work to work together anymore, we won't. Um, there's a million other complexities to that situation that I'm not gonna get into right now, but I will say that it's it's different. I people ask me all the time. Like I get DMs or sometimes on podcasts, people ask me like how I work with the Fae or like how to work with the Fae. And I don't have an answer for anybody on that because <laughs> I as much as I meet people. Who I feel like have some type of hard to explain kinship with fey or fey beings or fairy as a place. I give people kind of like that information to do with whatever thou shall please to do with that information. Like my experience is very different than what most people's when they just want to get into the fae shit is like I, I i i've never had like i've never been like pulled to fae stuff and been like i would like to go to fairy and work with fae beings it all happened to me in a way that was just you're doing this now and you now have a liaison and that mm-hmm. kind of opened up the door to do so where i don't have to directly deal with any other being if i decide to go to fairy other than this one who just filters everything through for me because that's what works for us i will say don't eat anything don't drink anything <laughs> any of that stuff um if you do journey or go on a vision to a place like that but um i she has a very brief section about it in here and i will say i don't disagree with what she says from my current experience
1: okay okay i like that i i really i i always enjoy Listening to you talk about working with the fay, because I have my own limited experience um, with that types of type of entity. I think you mentioned when I got a reading with you that uh, I was I had fay around me. I get that a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's every everybody works with what they're handed differently because everybody has a different place to go, mm-hmm. which you know if you're if you're reading a book or working with the deity or whatever uh, working with the fae, anything the most important thing is in my opinion to remember that the power of your path is within you and it's your responsibility to navigate so if you find yourself constantly leaning on your relationship with any other Uh, outside being or anybody in the human realm who is working and and telling you, you know, their experiences and just taking that as gospel, as opposed to going out and experiencing it for yourself on your own path, then you might not be getting out of this, what, what you could. That's my, that's my final thought on this whole thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: I think um, I like what you said where it's like you have an inner power, but you also have a responsibility with that. I think mm-hmm. people leave that out a lot in their soapboxes about all the power being within you. People don't yeah. talk, don't mention the responsibility piece as much as I wish. And then it would be within my responsibility to to fill in that gap. And I think we're doing so by creating this podcast episode Overall, I'm really glad to be able to talk about this. I know we're gonna continue to talk about this going forward. And yeah, if this if this book strikes your fancy, meditate about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you can also get it and then just let it sit on your shelf till you feel pulled to do it. Or if this is like abhorrent to your practice, then don't buy it. I don't know. Like I don't do whatever like you want uh in that it's way cool,
1: it's cool yeah, yeah this
0: is a resource <laughs> I just wanted to point out I mentioned I've mentioned it briefly quite a few times on various different episodes and I knew that both of us talking about it would be an interesting conversation so thank you for being here
1: and helping me explain this amazing book yeah thank you for having me and again thank you so much for reading a book that I recommended thank you so much <laughs> i love that. i didn't I didn't realize that people don't automatically just do that anytime I get uh, a recommendation like music or a book or whatever. I just kind of immediately start interacting with it just to see if I like it mm-hmm. um mostly because I'll forget, mm-hmm. but I guess not everyone does that so this especially is a very cool thing yeah put it put it down if you don't want to read it uh she also has a really huge amount of work that she has written. She doesn't, she's not just an exorcist. Um, like I mentioned before, she has a full free online, easily accessible course for magical workings and learning how to do things in a specific way, um, that you can check out and, and pick up and put down as you want. Also, um, she's, Been on a few podcasts and and done interviews and they're all really wonderful and very entertaining to listen to. That's what I have to say. I'm so excited. I get to, I got to talk to somebody about one of my favorite books. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Where can people find you? Um, if you would like to book a, an astro chat with me, I am much more I prefer to teach people how to read astrology and how to think about it instead of just doing um, like needle chart predictions and stuff. So you can book an astro chat with me. I also channel plant medicines for energetic workings and and ritual magic. Um, And I have sessions available for that as well. You can book those on my website, fruitionvisions.com. And I just actually finished my first kit, I guess for people who are interested in doing shadow work and need a little bit of assistance going through those processes. So um, that's super fun also. You can find me on Instagram at fancy Monstervision also. It's a lot of pictures of my dog. <laughs> Amazing. Well, if you like to find me, you can find me at mothmana.com
0: for information on readings and the Gallery of my digital art. You can also find me on Instagram at Tarot, Twitter at MannaAlin. And if you like this podcast, want to support it, and would also like to join the hordes in my Underworldian city, you can come hang out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Mothmana. And one final thing, I probably should have mentioned this at the beginning. I am actually going to be hosting at the, I think it's going to be the third weekend in January. I haven't fully decided that, but there'll be more details soon. I'm going to be hosting a tincture workshop through Zoom uh, for tincture making because that while it is a very simple practice and you 100% do not need to take a class to learn how to make a tincture, there's a lot of things that I've learned that I wish I knew. Uh, And so I want to be going over that and as well as like esoteric associations various ways you would use tinctures various ways to make them why you do things a certain way and all of that will be there so just follow me on social and i will make an announcement soon
1: Ooh, that sounds like fun yeah awesome. i'm excited
0: <laughs> cool all right again so thank you thank you so much for being here
1: thank you for having me